If you're looking for great Christian content, we want to encourage you to check out peachtreepress.org. Peachtree Press LLC offers digital products, journals, books, Bible study guides, sermon outlines, Christian blogs, and church notebooks for children and adults. Some products are also available as print on demand. Peachtree Press is a sponsor of this program and a partner in offering authentic Christian content. For more information, check out peachtreepress.org. Welcome back, rappers, to our fourth season of the Ray Reynolds Rap Podcast. If you haven't already done it, please hit that subscribe button or follow us for content on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, check out our website at rayreynoldsrap.com for sermons, weekly blogs, books, study guides, and lots of free stuff. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's program. This week we come to the book of James. Now, James claims to be written by James, a servant of God or a bondservant of God, depending on your translation, of the Lord Jesus Christ in the very first verse. Now, the name James is an English form of the name Jacob, and there are at least four men called James in the New Testament. One of those four is James, the Lord's brother. He's the best candidate for authorship, and he's accredited with this book by most early church scholars. Uh, We learn a little bit about him in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13 and verse 55, when he was doubting whether or not Jesus was the Christ, or at least he had some hesitation about Jesus Jesus taking that title. Um, And so we also see that in Mark chapter 6 and verse 3. And so therefore, I think it's important as we start to note that James was an unbeliever during the Lord's ministry. Um, <clears throat> I think about John 7 and verse 5, and there's a couple other places that show that um, James, along with the other brothers of Jesus, hesitated to endorse him in his public ministry. But it is shortly after the resurrection that the Lord comes to James personally. Now, we read a little bit more about this in uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 7, but it's evident from Acts 1, 14 and Acts 2 and verse 4 that James completely turned the corner and was a wholehearted, all-in believer in his brother, his half-brother, Jesus being the Messiah. And it certainly helps his case because the resurrection, when Jesus appears to James, and James is a doubter, that he steps forward now and says, I have seen him and I believe. And he's among many that uh, Jesus appeared to individually, in addition to several other brethren that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 15. So James becomes this great leader in the church in Jerusalem. Now, as I said, he was a doubter, he was hesitant, but now he's all in. He is working, he is serving, he is helping, and even with the miracles that are being performed around the area, he's watching over those events, and he becomes a very influential member of the church in Jerusalem. He's called a pillar of the church by Paul in Galatians 2.9, but it seems that maybe he shared a role as an elder, much like Peter did when he uh, is mentioned to be a Peter, uh, being an elder in, in 1 Peter, in his book, in chapter 5. And also, uh, it seems very uh, evident from Acts 12 and verse 17, and chapter 15, 13, 21, 18, and again, the book of Galatians, that James and Peter worked hand in hand in uh, working with the church there in that region uh, in Jerusalem. And so according to tradition, of course, uh, James was put to death by the Jewish high priest in Jerusalem in 62 AD. 
uh, some uh, historians, and in fact, this is uh, credited to Fox's Book of Martyrs, that he was taken up to the pinnacle of the temple, probably the exact same point where Jesus was tempted. And he was thrown off of the temple, uh, and then he, he did not die. So he was then beaten to death in the street. So it's just a terrible, tragic way for James to die, but it shows his a strength in his faith and believing that Jesus absolutely is the Christ. In uh, 323 AD, I believe it was, it was listed as one of the disputed books of the Bible. And so around the 300s, there are a few people that tried to kick it out of the Bible. And there's a reason why that is. In fact, uh, the Romans also has been kind of hailed as a question mark in latter years because people do not like of the content of it. And I think that is terrible. Um, James, in fact, Martin Luther had an issue with James because he believes that, you know, you're saved by faith, not by works. And James says, oh no, you're saved by your works too. And so we'll get to that in just a minute. But it's generally accepted that it was written somewhere around the late 40s, early 50s. We really don't have a clue, uh, but but some put it in that frame of mind. I, I probably would say it's one of the earlier books that we have in our New Testament. It's probably written about the same time Paul's writing First uh, Thessalonians. You know, it's it's in that same same time frame. It's an early book, an early letter, and it holds a lot of weight because it comes from Jesus's brother. And it's interesting here, the second book of these general epistles, and we'll get to the last book of the general epistles are both written by two of Jesus's brothers. Um, There are a lot of scholars also that uh, say that James would have written this just before his death, Uh, and maybe even that he was writing because Paul's writings were becoming influential and his preaching and teaching is becoming influential. So he's kind of adding to the conversation. Here are some additional things the church needs to do. But he is up there with uh, John and Peter and Paul as one of those great leaders of the early church. And he makes it clear that his voice needs to be heard and there are some teachings that need to be addressed. Now, I want to recognize also that he's called a bondservant. He's called a servant of Christ. He does not start off by saying, hey, I'm Jesus' brother. You should hear what I have to say. But we know, we know that he is respected and loved and admired by the church. And he says, I may be just another voice, but I have something I'd like to tell uh, the church, the church family, specifically those that are dispersed or of the dispersion. And so the theme, the reason why I like James so much is the theme is about common sense Christianity. It's about practical Christianity. He wants Christians to see that our faith isn't merely a series of religious steps, but uh, how our faith compels us to do good works. Faith has to be living and active. And and some people say, well, that's conflicting with Paul's thoughts on grace. No, it's not. Of course not. Paul teaches on grace, but remember, he's the first to introduce us to the idea of the fruit of the Spirit, planting and watering seeds, growing in Christ. Also, that our work alone cannot save us, but that they bring us help uh, to uh, to aid us, the Holy Spirit helps us and aids us to give glory to the Father as Jesus intended. And that means that we are living and active in our faith. As James says, show me your faith. I'll show you works by my faith. So it's it's got a pastoral flavor to it. Uh, it's very much like First and Second Timothy and Titus. He's an elder of the church. He's a protege to Peter. He's the brother of Jesus. Uh, He's got a lot of great power to wield to the church. But instead of pushing doctrine or tradition, he just wants to encourage and challenge people to really think like Christ. And because of that, 
he introduces many different teachings from the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, James 1.2, James 1.4, James 1.5, verse 20, verse 22. All references to the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, James 2.10, uh, verse 13 and 18. Again, same thing. James 4.4 4 and 4.10, 4.11. Again, going back to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And then in the last chapter, in verse 2 and a little bit after that, verse 10, verse 12, he's again reintroducing that Jesus' sermon from the Sermon on the Mount is essential for understanding practical Christianity. Now, no, the Lord does not talk about the church. He does not talk about the steps of salvation in his uh, speech at the Mount, but he does give practical application. And so, as James is writing to these dispersed people, the people that have left Jerusalem because of persecution, those are the tribes of Israel that are all spread about. He, he's he's telling them, you need to stay true to Christ. You need to stay true to the gospel. And in doing that, you need to see that you're the true Israel. And that that kind of parallels Paul's writings in Galatians 6.16. Uh, the idea that you are of the true circumcision, Philippians 3.3, 3, and the true seed of Abraham, which not only is uh, Paul teaching Galatians 3.19, but also in Romans 4 and verse 16. It's not surprising that a lot of Christians would have left Palestine because of persecution and were still trying to find their place. Uh, Antioch starts as a church. Many other churches also in the New Testament started because after Pentecost, people began to persecute Christians. They wanted to know where they belonged and that gets even more difficult up into the 60s and the 70s when Jerusalem is besieged, is, is sacked, and then obviously uh, the Jews begin to flee as well. That kind of brings us to this very first chapter here in uh, James where he begins to talk about the perspective we need and he says that we need to count it joy when we face trials and temptations. That's an important aspect is that we're there to, to be lifted up and to be given strength, even if we're in the middle of something difficult. And that's really hard to swallow. Uh, in fact, when I teach this book, and, and I've taught it many, many times over the years, I say James is uh, real quick, you know, punch him, you know, comes out hitting as soon as he starts. I mean, just listen to some of the thoughts that he says. Uh, there in verse 2, he's saying, you know, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. The testing of your faith produces patience. He says also, patience has its good work. It's perfect work, perfect and complete. You're supposed to be lacking nothing. So if you want wisdom, you better ask of God, uh, and, and he'll give to you liberally without reproach. So these are, these are really tough words, and he comes out punching. I mean, he comes out with some really, really good stuff that we begin to look at and go, wow, he, he's ready to talk, and we better be ready to listen. Now that you've kind of gotten a little bit of a background on the book, let me introduce to you the material that we'll be looking at for the next 10 episodes. Um, we want to focus on the authenticity of Christianity, and that is being genuine, being unique, being who God has called you to be, and using your own, uh, I guess you could say your personality, your uh, presence, your aura, whatever you want to call it, 
you as a person, how you present yourself to other people. We are the body of Christ. You'll hear that a lot in this series. We are supposed to be a living representative of Christ on the earth, an ambassador of Christ, full of the Holy Spirit, guided by uh, the Father, and actually walking in the image of Jesus because we've been baptized into Christ and we've been covered by the blood. And all of that comes into effect in James is that he's saying, you know, it's not enough to just kind of say that you're a Christian. It's time for you to learn to act like a Christian. And being authentic means, you know, again, being yourself, being unique, not trying to fake it, not trying to be like the Pharisees. And so in the first chapter, James will basically focus on our perspective that is kind of focusing on what we're supposed to be about and he says, you know, because of the world we live in and the sins that we're uh, committing, there is going to be persecution. There's going to be some harshness from both sides, really. Uh, you'll see that in, in chapter two, and that is that there are people on the outside that do not like the way we are perceived. They think of us as hypocrites. And then there are those on the inside that are actually upset because they are being hypocritical and we're not doing Christianity like they think we should. So we change our perspective. We change our perspective on recognizing that every single um, trial we face, every difficult thing can be used as a stepping stone to greater spiritual maturity. Uh, he defines religion also in chapter one, and then you move into chapter two, and he's going to start really teeing up this thought. Again, he's going through the Sermon on the Mount, but he's kind of teeing up this thought that our our mouth can get us into trouble. <laughs> you know, we've got to be careful what we say and how we act, and the way that we act represents what's already in our heart. So he talks about favoritism. He talks about persecution uh, in this chapter, specifically people that look different from us or act different from us or have more money than we might have. That's addressed here. And having a good, strong faith that shows by your actions, you're doing the will of God. You're not just giving it lip service. And chapter three is that great section on the tongue. We'll take a couple of episodes to flesh that out, what it means to have good speech, what it means to actually have wisdom and to speak wisdom. And then chapter four, we take a step back towards humility, uh, recognizing that God is in charge, that we need to humble ourselves before him. We need to draw near to him and he'll draw near to us. And then that last part of chapter four is knowing that God is going to be bringing judgment upon those that are harsh, critical, negative, hateful. Uh, and of course, all of us face judgment, but we want to be able to use our own uh, experiences and the things that we and others around us face to, to help improve our walk with God. And so if we want to avoid eternal judgment, we've got to learn to judge uh, regarding our character here. And that's not other people, but looking within ourselves. And then the last chapter brings us two more thoughts. One is about our behavior, and he's going to talk a little bit, kind of getting to the point of prayer, how we behave, what we do, what we say, uh, and how people can actually be pushed away if we don't uh, conform to the image of Christ. And then that last section on prayer, you've got a story of Job and a story of Elijah. And I'll bring out something there in James 5 that's always shocked me when it says that, you know, Job, we think of Job as a man of suffering. And, and, and James says, hey, look, you know, you want to talk about Job? It's a story of the mercy of God. And you're like, wow, it doesn't look very merciful, but I'll explain that when we get to it. So those are the those are the main uh, sections, the main headings of those 10 particular episodes that we're going to do over the next, you know, next 10 at least 
on the book of James. And I, I love being able to put these all together in order. Hopefully you can play them in order. In the past, I dropped a sermon or a class as soon as it posted. And uh, people would say, well, you know, I was started the series on Ezra and somehow I ended up in whatever. And so we're going to fix that. Um, we're trying to upload them in the order in which they come. So I hope that, uh, or I'm sorry, upload it when they're all together instead of as they come to us. Uh, so I hope you enjoy it and appreciate it. There is a study guide that's available on rayreynoldswrap.com that follows a similar outline, and we hope to put this one in press soon through Peachtree Press. You can buy it online, buy it at the website at peachtreepress.org. Hope you have a great day and look forward to joining you again in the next episode. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, visit our website at rayreynoldswrap.com. If you'd like to contribute to the show, content suggestions, uh, questions, prayer requests, or even if you just want to reach out to us, you can email us at rayreynoldswrap at gmail.com. Have a great day as you seek to maintain an authentic life in Christ Jesus. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214.